Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it's April, so that means college basketball wrap-up and preview. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. It's uh, the, the season's over. It's we've, we've turned the calendar now to the Masters. I'm sitting here watching the Masters from beautiful Augusta National. But yeah, let's let's talk some college hoops. It was just 72 hours or so that the season was, was finishing up. So the Pac-12 wound up with 14 wins in the tournament, which is pretty good overall. Pretty darn good, yeah. I mean, had um, you know by by seeding should not have had a Sweet 16 team, and had what three five right? Did we have four? Four, four, right? Yeah, Oregon State, Oregon, USC, UCLA. Yeah, because Colorado Colorado made it to the 32, and then lost. Yeah, so four in the Sweet 16, and. Three in the Elite Eight, right? Three Oregon in the State Elite Eight. And USC and, lost in the Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and um, and uh, UCLA you know, and, probably game of the tournament against Gonzaga. You no, know, I don't think there's any probably about it. Uh, it was it was one of the best games of college basketball that I've seen in a long time. I, for me, I mean, I I don't I you know I don't know what your thoughts were. I mean, it's always hard to like where does a game rank historically, but man, it was just such a well played game. And, and to go to overtime and to have the end that it had, I mean, it, man, it was it was great. Well, the other piece that, you know, I think was true is somebody tweeted it. it. It didn't matter how long the game went. No one was pulling away from the other team. No. You know? no so, I mean, I, I saw, the, the I think it's the ESPN graphic that shows you, like, how the score progresses. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like, you know, basically two lines going together at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Gonzaga was up by, what, seven at one point in the second half. I think yeah. that was the biggest lead the, either way. The biggest lead um, of the game was Gonzaga 66-59, yes, which yes. then became uh, 66-65, Gonzaga. I was say, then, then they were down 71-70. I remember that. Because yeah. They went to commercial, and I remember thinking, God, didn't it feel like Gonzaga was just about to take this game by the throat when they were up by seven, and then all of a sudden they're they're down? Uh, just a really, really well played game. I mean, good shooting. I think the combined shooting percentage was fifty eight percent. You know, and mm-hmm. and you know some guys that I think we'll see in the NBA. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a nameless, faceless sort of game. Um, it was just a just a really fun game, and obviously the way it ended was was all time. Uh, I mean, you know. Well, and to your that, to your point about it, it was a well played game. I mean, ten turnovers yes. each team in a yeah. overtime game yeah. is just yeah. incredible. It really is. I mean, it was just good. Like watching it, and I'm and you know, of course, I was rooting for Gonzaga, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, God, if UCLA had shot in this game like they shot against Michigan, Gonzaga would have won that game by thirty points. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, I mean, it felt like like even when Gonzaga went up by five in OT, and then you know they come out. And, and make a three with, you know, 40 seconds to go. And just, like, every time it felt like, okay, if, if Gonzaga could get a stop or two, they can take this game over, and, and that, you know, UCLA would hit a shot. A lot of jump shots, too. I mean, Ju Zhang hit, hit shots. Hawkes, Cody Riley, the big man, had probably three or four, you know, like, you know, long two jump shots. Um, I mean, they look good. Like, watching UCLA through this tournament, you, you, you're left wondering, how did they, you know, lose as many games as they did in the regular season because they look pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where the talent finally 
finally came together. You know, it, they got life. exactly yeah. what they, you know, what Mick Cronin had said about the team, which is, we were a good team. We yeah. sort of hit the skids, but everyone freaked out. Yeah. You know, when we were playing close games. Not that yeah. we were getting blown out. We were playing close right, games right. and losing. Well, you wonder with a year like this, and I, I don't know how many games UCLA ended up playing. I, I mean, most uh, everybody played a large majority of their scheduled games. Yeah, UCLA wound ASU, up 22 but, and 10. So, I mean, that's, that's that's the same amount of games Gonzaga got because they were, they were, gonna, they were 31 and 0. Um, what was their conference, in conference? How many games did they get up to 20? Uh, I'm guessing I, if you have it. I mean, it, you know, it's not a, not a huge deal. Um, they were you know, 13 and 6. They got 19. They got 19 out of 20. So, you know, but you just like, and not now, I, I don't know, you know, a, a lot of teams, they made up games at the end of the year. You know, they lost Chris Smith there in December, and he was their best player. And then you just didn't have the, the, the time that you normally, the normal rhythm that you get into during a season until, you know, conference tournament, NCAA tournament week, which kind of started to feel like a normal rhythm. And now they went one and done in the conference tournament in, in overtime, of course, against Oregon State, which at the time felt like a bad loss. Then two weeks later, you thought, well, maybe those were two pretty good teams, I guess, by the, by the end. Um, and then, you know, yeah, they just, you know, they got in the rhythm. They made a great comeback in the second half there against Michigan State. and uh, A heck of a year, and, and they'll go into next year. I mean, I read, I think it's Seth Davis's, you know, top 25 for next year, which is as he as he coined it, way too early, and it truly is way too early. But I, he had UCLA in the top five. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're going to have high expectations going into next season. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting for them what kind of roster turnover they have. You know, right, right. Tiger right. Campbell's five I eleven, mean, so you'd expect he'd be back. He's only a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. You know, Hawkes like is a sophomore. Juzang is a sophomore. But Juzang has such a good tournament, man. Does, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, he seems he's like a, a guy who could be a good NBA player. When he's six six, you know, right? and he's you a know, guard, good shooter, good shooter, could handle the ball, great free throw shooter. I mean, like, and he just had a great tournament. Like, you know, is is his stock ever going to be higher? Maybe, maybe he comes back next year and he's you know the Wooden Award winner or something. Maybe, but. Uh, that's an interesting, I mean, Seth Davis's thing, and I believe it again, I think it was Seth Davis had, you know, like key returners thinking, boy, it is, it's a little too early to say who's returning to teams. And he had Juzang as a returner. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I was him, I'd at least put my name in the draft and see where, see what kind of feedback I get. Well, and testing the waters seems to be more and more the default for guys now, because yeah. you get a free one. It makes sense, especially when you're, you know, when you're in the situation like Martin and Verge were last year, where right, right. It, what's the harm in testing the waters? There's yeah, no, there really isn't any, you know, no, I mean, it's a good idea. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, you put your, put your name in there and see what happens. Obviously some of these guys, we know they're going to go. We know, we know Jalen Suggs is going to go. He's probably going to be a top three to five pick, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what UCLA actually has back. Um, but I think, you know, the expectations will certainly rise and deservedly, but a great run for them and, and a, and a great run for Gonzaga. You know, I yeah. know it's, you know, they, they didn't finish it off undefeated and credit to Baylor, man. They, they were great. They were outstanding in the, in the whole tournament. And certainly as the, you know, the last three or four rounds of the tournament, they just looked great. And, and they finally got back to play in the way they were earlier in the year. 
but Gonzaga, I mean, 31 and 0 is, is nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. It, it feels like they will go down with that Kentucky team as yeah. just, yeah, they, you know, most teams, most nights, they were the better team and they were going to win. And, and you know, now I will say there was no fluke about the championship. Oh game. no. And I, and I don't want to imply was, that something was, it, no, you know, and, and I know you're not, you know, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. If you want to, if you want to parody Gonzaga and I do not, but if you want to, you could say, boy, they ran into a, a good team and they got, they got outclassed and they did. Um, it was, it was the type of game that you watched it and thought if this was a best of seven series, it would probably be a five or six at most because yeah. Baylor was just, Baylor just had some things that just Gonzaga could not compensate for. Well, and Baylor's defense was guards. swarming. Baylor's defense was so good, and and their offense was so good. I mean, it was just like they got whatever they wanted offensively. It felt like you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they when they wanted a three, they got it. When they needed an easy basket, they got it. When they needed five unanswered to to quell a Gonzaga run, they got it. And and yeah, their defense was was now it, they let up a little in the second half, but to start the game, man, they were just all over the place. Yeah. Well, and that's the other piece of this with what Baylor did. It was a great coaching job because they it came was. out with a plan of we're going to out-athletic Gonzaga. Yeah, they did. They uh, definitely and, did. And they did. And and it was yeah. it, it was one of those things where I, I've been watching the uh, Last Chance U college yeah. basketball, junior college basketball. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's coach speak, but it's true. You go out there and you make sure they know they don't have a chance because yeah. if you if you don't do that, Gonzaga is a good team with a great oh, coach, sure. and sure. if they hang sure. around, you saw they'll find a way to win and they're comfortable in tight games. You had to come out and you know just stand on their Step neck on and win. And they did. They and, really did. Yeah. I mean, the the start of the game. I mean, it it felt like Gonzaga was playing three on five on both ends. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't get an open man. They couldn't get an open shot, and and Baylor just was getting whatever they wanted on the other. I mean, like they were getting switches. They were certainly taking advantage. I mean, I think Kispert and Timmy are very good college players, and they'll probably play in the NBA. But they were really taking advantage of the two of them guarding on the perimeter because yeah. neither one could. <laughs> and, and they were they were getting them in switches, and they were just. They were they were dancing with them and and they were lost. I mean that you know you could just tell they were licking their chops when yeah. one of those guards got one one of those big men on them one on one on a switch. Yeah, I, you know, you you can just look and sometimes the stats don't tell the tale. But in this one, Baylor out rebounded Gonzaga thirty eight twenty two. They forced yeah. fourteen turnovers to nine committed. It, yeah. You know, they just well the rebounding was from the first possession. I mean, Baylor got the ball and they got two offensive rebounds on the first possession and a, and a bat and a you know a putback on the on the third try, and it just was like the tone was set right there that they they were you know bigger, stronger, faster. It felt like they well, just were. And, uh, you know, and, and to your point about how the game flow looked, it, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> it, it was yeah. just you know it was nine to nothing before you know yeah. like out the gates and and then it was what twenty nine to ten I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, you know, Gonzaga got within nine there with, within the first maybe four or five minutes of the second half, but it it felt like in the moment it was fool's gold, and and it was because it was instantly sixteen. It felt like they got within nine, and then it was boom, 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 
that, that Flagler guy hit a three to make a 16. It was like, that. that's it, man. Like, they gave him their, their best run, and it's just nowhere near good enough. Uh, one thing that happens at the end of every tournament is the coaches who were successful shuffle, uh, and the coaches who weren't disappear. You see, uh, you know, Mick Cronin got an extension. Bill yeah. Self gets a perpetual lifetime extension. Boy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean Miller out. Roy Williams out the retired. They, yep, you know, yep. there's just a lot, you know, I, I find it interesting. Indiana jumped first, uh, yeah. but Arizona and North Carolina both having their jobs open at the same time. Yeah. Well, North Carolina filled theirs, though. You right. You I that? saw. You yeah, they saw a huge. But but I'm you saying were, like yeah. they, uh, you know, Arizona waited. I, I wonder they if did. they knew this was going to happen. I, I, I saw yeah. two different takes. There was a the. The kind take, which I actually surprisingly yeah. agree with was Greg Hansen, the columnist from the daily star said, <laughs> yeah. you know, good for the athletic department to let the women's team have their moment and not get overshadowed by firing the men's coach. Yeah. Interesting. I suppose. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah. Whereas the Chris Cartman take was how terrible to have waited this long and let all the chairs get full and not even have a chance to make an offer at, you know, Porter Moser or somebody yeah, else. Yeah, and I and I tend to, I mean, because what's changed in the last four weeks? Like, okay, last week, you, you the Hanson argument makes sense. If something came out 10 days ago and the Arizona women are in the Elite Eight or whatever, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. But, I mean, the, the Arizona men's season ended, what, the first week of March? Because they didn't go to the yeah. Pac-12 tournament either. Um, and that notice of allegations came out right around the same time. What's changed? Very little. You know, I mean, like, why not make that move then? Now, I, you know, uh, look, they're gonna they're gonna hire a coach. I think they're, you know, they have they have several. You know, we mentioned Hubert Davis. They have several alums that are are either on the staff or coaching other places. Um, you know, they'll hire a coach, but I, it didn't it didn't make sense. Now, of course. I read, you know, the ESPN article, which I think was AP, said, you know, Arizona had wanted to extend him, but the Board of Regents wasn't going to approve it. And I'm left to ask, and maybe you can explain it because you have you have family who are U of A fans. What's the attraction to keeping Sean Miller? Am I missing something? Why were they so loyal to him? Well, I, I saw that story, too, but then it came out. You know that the AD Hiki or whatever yeah. said no, no, no. I recommended his termination. That's not true. Right, but and now, do I believe that? I'm not sure. I do. I mean, that, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I wonder in terms of what is the attraction to keeping him. This year was a bad year. I, I don't right. think there's anything. You know, a mediocre at least. Yeah, they were what 17 and 10 or something like that. I mean, nothing special. Right, but. The guy can recruit with everybody. Well, he had, but the last, what, three years. So so, so in 2017, when the Final Four was in Arizona, they were, I think, a two or three seed, and Paula Boyvin was going nuts about how they were going to be the home team in the Final Four, and they lost, I think, in the Sweet 16 to Xavier. Um, but then since then, they were first round out in 2018. Now, they were a four seed. That was an upset, but, you know, first round out. Missed the tournament in 19. We're going to make it, but as a as a bottom-of-the-field type of team last year. I mean, they weren't, they weren't going to be highly seeded. Who knows what they would have done. 
we don't know, but they weren't going to be a one or two seed. Um, and then this year, had they not been ineligible, I'm not sure they would have made it either. Maybe a bubble team. Mm-hmm. So it's been four years since they've been like really big time relevant. And even when they were relevant and, you know, like, I mean, I hate to, I don't want to be that guy who says, you know, if you don't make the final four, your year sucked. That's not true. But Arizona holds themselves to a standard of, of a blue chip elite program. So not going to the final four for 12 years, which is the amount of time he was there, 20 total. Like that's, why is that something you want to hang on to, especially with the black cloud that came with him? That's the thing. Like if you, if you take away the scandal, no, he wouldn't be getting fired. Certainly. Yeah. But with the scandal, like you mentioned Bill Self. Bill Self, it makes sense. He's won a national title. He's gone to several final fours there. They win the big 12, you know, 10 out of 12 years, it feels like. Uh, okay, I get it. I get why Kansas would say, eh, we don't care. We're sticking by you. But I really don't get it about Arizona with Sean Miller. Do you think part of it is, and, and he was there for 12 years. Yeah. But do you think part of it is or could be the pain that was the post-loot chaos of Possibly. the, you know, the will he, won't he retirement uh the can he come back well don't worry we've got oh no we all what do we have kevin o'neill uh yeah i was trying to remember all the all the twists and turns of that yesterday uh, that you mentioned that if i if i remember right wasn't o'neill took over when because luke took a leave of absence right right and he was the number one bench coach yeah although he had just hired o'neill right i mean o'neill hadn't been there now he had been there you know a decade before or whatever but he just hired him back. O'Neill coached the year, and then from what I remember, O'Neill was kind of unceremoniously dismissed after that year. Right. And Lou was planning on coming back, and they hired that Mike Dunlap guy to be like the lead assistant. And then wasn't it right before the season that Lou retired? Like a couple weeks at most before that season. And then Mike Dunlap bolted too, so they ended up with Russ Pennell as the coach. Right. Am I remembering all that right? I believe that is all it was, correct. It was a bit of a circus, I recall. You know, and, and so I guess my point is you went through right. all of that. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you've got this guy who is a pretty good coach. Now, look, if they, you know, hire Damon Stoudemire or Josh yeah. Pastner, you know, Luke Walton said he doesn't want the job. I think yeah. of all of these guys, Miles Simon would be the one to me as a would be the least yeah. scary as an ASU fan because he's yeah you know not really coached a ton he has and he's what he's an assistant with the Lakers right right like a, a a secondary bench assistant from what I he's not he's not a lead assistant or anything you know the NBA teams have 18 assistants so it's hard to keep up but yes yeah. but um but yeah you know I mean Passner's the one that from a PR standpoint which you got to think that that, that matters a lot right good. now it's not going to drive their decision, but it matters. Yeah. You know, um, Pastner to me feels now, Simon, I guess you could say the same, but you know, having lived there and and we both did now we were kids, but having lived there during the nineties and, and I mean, Pastner was a fan favorite then he never played, but he was, you know, he was the jovial white guy. Let's just call it what it is on the end of the bench. And he was always up cheering and, you know, first one when the 
timeout would be called. He'd be the first one on the court to high five and blah, blah, blah. And then he came back and he was an assistant for a while under loot. Just feels like if you're going to go PR, plus, you know, he's had a, a modicum of success at Georgia Tech. Not a ton, but a little. Well, uh, and you know, he has, I mean, he has head coaching, big time conference experience, yeah. which, like, X's and O's, is he better than Damon Stoudemire? I have no idea. Who knows? But Damon right, Stoudemire's right. the head coach at Pacific. Pacific. And that's not and the same. He's never really done anything at Pacific. Yeah. As, I mean, like, he's only been there two or three years. He's not been there that long, I don't think. But still, he's he's not done anything to, like, jump off the page and make you think, oh, wow, here, here he comes. I mean, if Damon Stoudemire was an Arizona alum, Damon Stoudemire, would he even be getting discussed for this job? I, I kind of doubt it, right? I think so. I mean, he, he doesn't have much in the way of credentials. Now, you know, one could say the same about Jawan Howard at Michigan when he got that job. Never been a head coach. He never coached in college. And clearly it's gone pretty well so far. And I mean, he's recruiting like a madman. And, you know, they're also a preseason top five team next year. And, you know, so who knows? I mean, maybe he will be successful if he gets the job. But I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, to me, Pastor makes a ton of sense. I don't want it because I can't stand Pastor already. <laughs> you know? But but then again, I guess it would make it easy because whoever it is, I will immediately dislike. So here are the, the guys who are coaches in the NBA or in college active right now with U of A ties. Okay. Steve Kerr, not coming. I can't see that being any chance. Bruce Frazier, Steve Kerr's, you know, Top yeah. lieutenant in Golden State? I don't think so. Luke, I mean, Wal- uh, Luke yeah. Walton said no. He did. Now, what if the Kings fire Luke Walton? No. And then, I mean, you know, like I, I'm not ruling him out yet. He said no, but depending on the time frame, I, I, I wouldn't rule him out just yet. Your other three NBA guys, Brett Brielmeyer doesn't really do much for me, Gosh, but he's the head coach him. of the Long Island Nets. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Quentin Crawford, assistant coach for the Lakers. And Who's my, he? <laughs> he played for the Wildcats from 11 to 13. God, I don't remember that name at all. Do you? No. He started his wow. career as a video coordinator and has been promoted to assistant coach. Huh. I wonder if he was like a walk-on or something, because I sure don't remember that name. And then Miles Simon. Yeah, yeah. Who we talked about. The current head yeah. coaches and college coaches, Passner, Stoudemire, and then on the Wildcats bench this year, which I didn't realize was Jason the Jet. Terry. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, so I know, you know, the whole hiring the alum thing, but Jawan Howard was an NBA assistant for like almost a decade. Patrick Ewing was more than a decade. I mean, you got to hire Jason Terry to be the head coach when he's got what, one year of coaching total. Well, but right, but you got Steve Nash. You you've got Jason you Kidd. Well, it, yeah, you got Steve Nash. I mean, okay, if Arizona can get James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Blake Griffin, then you can look like a genius, I suppose. Well, but I'm also saying, in terms of like, <laughs> I'm just being it, it's a, yeah. but it is a move that teams are making. Where it is, it is. yeah, yeah. But it, I will say this: I guess it seems somewhat less risky in the NBA because I think, for, I mean, first of all, you're, you're coaching pros. You don't have to go recruit the talent. You know, like if you've got a marketable team like the Nets, they're going to come to you. Um, and, and it's just, it's a different, it's a little bit of a different animal coaching in the NBA, I think. There's less, there's less X's and O's. 
than there is in college. You know, I mean, it's more of a, can you manage personalities? And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just different. Uh, a couple so other a couple other names. If you want to stay in the the Wildcat family, Judd Bushler. Yeah. Uh, with What's the, he up to now? What does he do? He's uh, coaching with the Knicks organization, oh, okay. and okay. Joseph Blair coaching with the T Wolves. Mm, well, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, they have. A, I, I think when you are this late in the game, you are looking at in the family. I think so, and and I think they would anyway. Um, you know, I mean, we, we both know a little bit what Arizona's like and, and, uh, you know, I, I think that in the family and that, see, that was another reason I'm sort of still mystified by the undying loyalty to Sean Miller is that he was not an in the family guy, mm-hmm. he was not an Arizona guy. He was not even a West coast guy. Um, and, and, you know, so it would, I don't know, that still confuses me and it always will, but um, I, you know, I feel like coming off firing your coach, you may be going through some sanctions, almost certainly, I would think. Who knows when, but almost certainly at some point in the near well, future. not if the NCAA ceases to exist. Well, that's so. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? I mean, I guess that's true. Um, you know, but it's, uh, you know, you feel like there's potentially a little bit of lead times ahead before you can look at, you know, maybe getting back to a, a position of power. So having a friendly face, a face that, you know, people in Tucson, which, you know, I, I don't say this derisively, but I think Tucson is a bit of a small town mentality. Uh, you know, it's a big city that has a small town mentality. Um, and they, you know, they like the familiar. And I think, you know, somebody like a Josh Pastor or a Miles Simon, uh, you know, will just will make people feel all warm and fuzzy there. Well, and the other thing, I think if you are making this higher, this will give you some time. Yeah. Now, if we're ha- if we're having a down time, you can put Miles Simon's picture on the schedule for a couple sure. years. Sure. And exactly. and the cover yes. of the media guide and and you know, a picture of him today in a suit and behind him is, you know, him hugging the basketball right. at the end of the 97 right. title. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can appeal to the history and, you know, I mean, look, they have, they have great history there. No, no arguing that. And, and so it's, it's sort of the same thing I thought North Carolina would do. And they did, um, when you have the, I think Duke will do it when Krzyzewski steps aside, you know, it, it's tough replacing a great coach. Now they're not replacing loot, but you're still living sort of in the shadow of loot. And, and I think, you know, having a guy from the loot family makes that an easier proposition. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting as, as I said, and, you know, I mean, you alluded to and saying as an ASU fan, I'll just come right out and say it. You know, I hate Arizona. I'm not rooting for their success. I hope whoever they hire fails miserably. But as a trying to be somewhat objective observer, it'll just be interesting to see who they land on. Yeah. Uh, as we pivot now to talk about being a biased observer, ASU basketball has potentially nine new players, up to nine new players this year. Uh, could, it, could it be, uh, what's the size of the roster? 15? Cause it could yeah. just be 15. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, uh, feels like we're just throwing out the entire roster from last year and starting again, which eh, maybe not the worst idea. Go back to the well. Yeah. Uh, ASU, I don't think it's officially been announced by the school, but 
Marion Jackson, who was the MAC Player of the Year from Toledo, a guard who averaged 18 points and six rebounds, six assists, coming to Tempe. Joins yeah. AJ Brahma, yeah. joins uh, Enoch, the five-star yeah. center. We're, we're going to need some pronunciation guides, uh, mm-hmm. but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm excited by all of them. I just don't know how to pronounce their names. Yeah. And one of the things that I saw, and I think is worth noting, depending on who we lose, these are upgrades. You know, this guy, in theory, should be a, a better contributor than Jalen House. Yeah, yeah, you know? I think so. I mean, you know, a, a conference player of the year is nothing to sneeze at. Now, we've seen examples. I think Villanova had a guy a couple years ago that they got as a transfer, and I can't remember where he was from, small school, and he was supposed to be, you know, what a pickup, and by tournament time, he wasn't even playing. So you, you never know. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, look, the, the thing I've said, I'm repeating myself, I know, but the main thing was that we had to we had to rebuild. You know, we, we put all the eggs in the basket of 2021, and it just didn't happen. And a lot of those, you know, we know Josh Christopher's leaving now, that's official. Bagley put his name in the draft with the option to come back at it, but you know, we're not, not confident about that. Mm-hmm. Cherry's gone. House is gone. Chris Austin's in the transfer portal. Uh, the, the European kid, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Pablo. Never learned it. Guess I, guess I don't have to learn it since he's mm-hmm. leaving. Um, it, you know, I mean, at the, the depth of this team, which you thought like when we talked back at the end of the season, you know, I was like, well, okay, you know, you bring back all these returners and that's the makings of a, you know, a number 10 or 11 team in the Pac-12, well, that's pretty much gone outside of Holland Woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's the only guy who yeah. saw any time this year that's that's coming back. Yeah, you've got um, Holland Woods. The backcourt now is uh, Jackson, Holland Woods, Jay Heath, the BC transfer, and Luther Muhammad, right. the Ohio State transfer. Right, right, yeah. yeah no, I mean, we, we have no one in our backcourt who <laughs> was recruited by Hurley out of high school. Yeah, 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 and, and only one guy who has played at ASU at all, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Holland Woods. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be a new look team, and it and it needed to be. You could not depend on. I mean, this was not a year where you could say, you know, well, you know, we're going to have our returners back, and they're going to take a step forward, and that should be enough. Like, and there was no way. And then obviously, a lot of these guys aren't returning anyway, um, and perhaps that's why. You know, I mean, you you wonder the conversations that took place behind closed doors with somebody like a Jalen house. Was it a, Hey, look, we're, we're going to be mining the transfer portal. We're going to be continuing to recruit high school and, and your role isn't likely to increase. So maybe you want to explore other options. You know, I don't know if that was the right call or not, but I do wonder if that played into it. Yeah. Uh, For whatever it's worth, the 24-7 composite ranking of uh, Jackson was that he is the eighth best Division One transfer prospect and the number five mm. guard to, nice. in the transfer okay. portal. So, well, I mean, I, I just I like how aggressive Hurley and the staff have been. Whether it translates to wins, who knows? It I acknowledges mean, it, it, you know, a problem. It uh, does. And that's it important. It that that what we had last year wasn't good enough and that what we had coming back certainly wasn't good enough. And, and, you know, you know, we've, we've seen now this kid's a guard, but the, you know, sort of, uh, 
transfer bigger. Um, and, and I think that I do wonder if that's Hurley realizing, Hey, the, you know, the whole guard you thing was a cute little slogan, but you know, you do need a little bit of size and we just had very little of it last year. Now Speaking I'm of size though. I just realized Jalen Graham hasn't left yet. Has he? No, he still, I mean, maybe he's actually going to come back. Yeah. I say that. And then tomorrow we'll, we'll read he's in the transfer portal, but, uh, you know, so far one, I think we both assumed would be gone after the commitment from the from the Canadian kid, but so far, no. I um, as I sit here and look through all of this and, and all of the upheaval, yeah, I I I hesitate to bring it up, but wasn't part of the problem not getting guys to gel and figure out their roles, and isn't yes. that a big concern? <laughs> When you oh, have yeah. all new guys who've never played with each other, oh, without a doubt. But I think it's the only it's the only way we could go for this year. I mean, like if, if we if we depended on continuity and consistency, we were going to finish, you know, ten and twenty next year. I I believe that. I mean, if we if we had said to all the guys besides you know Remy and Verge and Lauren, you know, the, the top guys who were probably leaving anyway. If Hurley had gone to them and said, "Hey, you're our starters next year," we were going to be bad. Just we just didn't have enough talent, and so I think this was the only way to go to try to have a chance to be competitive. Will it work? I, I don't know. But I mean, it's better it, it's, than the alternative. I think so. I I believe that. Now we'll never know. Obviously, I mean, you know, we don't get to see that alternate universe if we'd gone with a you know a starting five of Jalen House and. And Holland Hollywood Woods, Woods Jalen Graham, and, and Tayshawn Cherry. And, you know, I mean, if we tried to bring back everybody who could have come back, we don't know how that would have worked out, but I don't think it would have worked out well. And and so I, I think this was this was the only way to go. And it's, it's also kind of the way college basketball is trending. And, you know, like, unless you're – well, I shouldn't say unless you're an elite team. If you're an elite team, you're, you're, you're getting a lot of high year. school stars. Yeah. Yes, you know, but if you're a if you're a program on the level of Arizona State, your roster changes over almost every year. I mean, I, I pointed out Georgetown because they were a team I followed a little bit through the year and then they won the Big East. Like they had like nine new guys from last year. And and then some of them left. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's it's uh it's feels like free agency because in a way it kinda is. And, and so you just got to be, you know, I think I said this the last time we talked, like you put together a team for this year. And then when that year's over, you put together next year's team. There's not a lot of year to year continuity. If you get it, great. You can't count on it. Yeah. I, I think what I, you know, my fervent hope is that this five star or four star, depending on which yeah. you read, center. I know he's five, as far as I'm concerned. It lives <laughs> up to the billing. I, I just, yeah, I just yeah. want this to be like, you know, the first time since Ike that we've had a just truly unstoppable game in game out force. Big man. That's just yeah. he's just a double double machine. A big man. At that. Yeah, I agree. You know? I agree. I mean, it would be, uh, you know, like Pendergraft nice had these, you know these high highs. Oh, sure. And, and sure. he was always pretty good, even in bad games. But, yeah. but I want, I want the Ike level of just, yeah. you know, he's going to get 20 and 10 
and we just need to figure out the rest around that. Everything around him, yeah. I agree. I mean, you hope so. Um, you know, yeah, I agree with you about Pendergraft. I mean, Pendergraft was a, a very good player, but he wasn't a superstar. Uh, we had one with Harden, and, and that's why, you know, that's why that team was so good, because we didn't rely on Pendergraft to be the best player. Um, you know, he could be the second best player. And, and yeah, I mean, hopefully this kid is is up to the billing and some of these transfers will come in and help. And then, you know, you got this Muhammad kid from Ohio state who came in with some, some fanfare last year. And yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's going to be an interesting chemistry experiment because you're right. The, I guess the one thing, if I want to, if I want to play cup half full guy with regard to what you're saying about, you know, last year, that was the problem is one of the things about last year was you had a group of returners who kind of knew their roles and then you bring in these two highly touted freshmen and it's like okay how do you mix the two and they never really mixed well this team doesn't have that this team is going to have very little of anybody who knew their roles so it's it's a you know it's like throwing a whole bunch of ingredients into a pot and hopefully making something good for dinner basically you're not starting with something that's decent and then trying to add something to it yeah yeah, that's true. Will that work? They, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Know. You can kind of, you're not trying to Tetris pieces into place here. Right. You, you, Which you're, is what we were doing last year. Yeah, you, you get know? to kind of just sift this all down and let everyone find their spot. Right, right. And look, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but could the recipe have worked better for last year's team if we'd had a normal build up to the season? Certainly. Normal rhythm? You know, not the stops and starts. You have to think so. I, I don't know. I mean, there are plenty of examples from prior to 2020 of college teams that just didn't work out. You know, they had talent. They just didn't work out. We had one, you know, 10 years ago when we had we went over that team after after, you know, Harden and Abbott and Glasser and all those guys left and had a team that that had some talent on paper. and It just did not work out. And they had they didn't have that excuse. So who knows? But it, it would have been nice to find out, I suppose. Yeah. All that said, we never will. Yeah. Well, maybe someday there'll be the uh, definitive Herb Sendek interview about that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and hey, we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll never know what what twenty twenty slash twenty one could have been. Um, the fact is, it, it it was what it was, and we got to have a season. It was a little weird, but we still had one, and we we vastly underachieved. And so there's you know there's explanations for that, but there's not excuses as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I, I do hope Bagley comes back. I don't think it's nice. going to happen. I don't think so either. No, no. I mean, we'll see. Any any word? I haven't heard anything on uh, Lawrence or Martin from the, the discussions. Have they said anything? No. They haven't, and, and it yeah. feels more and more like Martin is an April Fool's joke to me. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I suppose that they can, like, I don't, I don't think Kamani Lawrence is an NBA player. He's, an, he's a solid college player. I don't really think Remy Martin is either, but they could they could both put their names in. I mean, Martin could do it again. You don't just get one free swing. You get as many free swings as you want, right? With that. Did they change that? I thought you only got I thought one. So. so. I thought so. I thought you could put your name in, you know, however many times you want. You still have the same, you know, you got to withdraw by this point in time. Now, this year, I know they did change where 
you've got to, even if you're a senior, you've got to actually enter the draft. Yeah. There's, there's no like, you know, so, so basically every single person is going to be an early entry. Yeah. And then the, the NFL did it different where they, they basically said, if you're a senior and you're not in the draft, you got to tell us by March 1st, the NBA went the opposite direction. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's unlikely Martin comes back. I would think so too. But I mean, unless he, unless he wants a, you know, kind of a more fitting send off type of thing, you know, to, it was kind of a, it was, it was kind of a crappy senior year for a guy like that. Didn't get to have fans in the stands for, for a single home game. Um, you know, if that is, if, if that's important to him, then it would make sense to come back. But if he thinks he has a pro future, you know, there's no point. Yeah. I, Which, I mean, nah, he could play know. overseas. He played. I was, was going to say, I mean, I think he could be, you know, didn't Jahi Carson go and play overseas for a while? He might still be. I think he still is. Yeah, you know, so I mean, he could he could be that. I, I don't I don't see Remy Martin being an NBA player. Maybe, I mean, high end, he's a, you know, G League guy who, who gets, you know, called up on a two-way contract and ends up the, you know, 12th man on the bench and, you know, gives you some energy minutes or something. Like, I, I think that's his as good as his his NBA future could be, and that's unlikely. I So my comp for him, as I, you know, am an expert at these things... Sure, sure. ...is Jorge Gutierrez, where, yeah. you know, you yeah. might get up for Who some... a short little run in the yeah. NBA, didn't he? Yeah. You know, he signed yeah. a 10-day contract with the Nets. He got traded by the Nets. He, yeah. He signed a short contract with the Bucks and didn't resign. Um then they gave him a multi year deal but waived him right after. Yeah. Then he signed yeah. the ten day contract and then he went overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Now the thing I, I could be wrong, but my memory says Gutierrez was a bigger player. He is. He's six three. Yeah. You know? And see Martin I bet is six foot at at best. I mean I don't know what his official listing is at ASU, but I can't imagine he's bigger than six foot six one at most. Yeah. And his his you know, that defensive intensity that he showed as a freshman didn't keep it up. waned. Yeah. So I so I'm not thinking he's a guy who's like, oh, he could be a great defender. First of all, he's not big enough to be a great defender in the NBA. Secondly, I don't I don't know that he I mean, to be a great defender at six one, you gotta be an extreme pest. And I, you know, we just didn't see that consistently from him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we talked a lot about him a few weeks ago. And, you know, uh, I hope he comes back. I'd love to have him back. You know, um, but I don't expect it. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best of luck. I just I don't think there's a bright pro future there. But if there is, hey, uh, I'll, I'll be supporting him if, if he makes it. Oh, absolutely. Um. We will be back next week. We have to talk NFL draft. The time yes, is it's near. Quarterback preview time. Yes, three weeks from tonight is the draft. So two weeks from tonight, you will hear what we think about the quarterbacks who everyone is clamoring for. Everyone's one week from tonight. Correct, right? Yeah, one week from tonight, we're going to do our quarterback okay. talk. Two weeks from the draft. All right. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, look, it's been a long day. I don't know. <laughs> All right. 
I don't I know just what I'm to make saying. Sure we were on the same schedule here, but uh, it, but well, yes, we're gonna we're gonna do it. I I'd worry that people were listening and were gonna correct me, but no one's listening. No, that's probably true. You're and right. That's, yeah, and yeah. that's okay. And any, anybody who would, I I could just tell them personally because it's yeah. my mom, and yeah. I'll just tell her on the phone like, hey, it's next week. Yeah, I'm sure. And, I'm sure she is counting the minutes to hear us talk about quarterbacks, and, and she'll be I like, great. Ne- next yes. week, I'm yes. I'm in. What do you think yes. about Zach Wilson and Trey Lance? How I mean, come Justin been, Fields she's been and pestering me for months? Like, hey, when are you guys going to talk about Trey Lance? Yeah, and I'm like, hey, just wait. We'll yeah. get there. Look, is Ian Book underrated as the number ten quarterback on ESPN's right. rankings? I don't know. We're going to have to find out know. next week. What do you think of Davis Mills? Diamond <laughs> in the rough, uh, possibly. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah, did Kyle Trask show you something this year yeah, with the way Florida yeah. played? I don't know, but you know what? I do know we're going to talk about it next week. We're going to have answers next week. That's yeah. right. Yes, yes. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.